On this evening, let us together hear the prophecy of Christ from the law of Moses. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Numbers 24, 17. As we light the Christmas candle, let it remind us of the night of Christ's birth, when he veiled his glories, taking the form of a servant. May it also cause us to look forward to the day of his coming again, when he will return in all his glory. star rises in our hearts. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Would you stand for our call to worship? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Let us worship God. Our uh, opening hymn is number 225 in your hymnal, Once in Royal David City. Would you remain standing and sing with me? Once in Royal David City stood a
to our God in a time of prayer. Almighty, infinite Father, you are the source of all goodness. And in your own goodness, wisdom, and compassion, you have freely given to us the gift of gifts, your own dear Son. In your word, we read of this wonder of wonders. That Christ came down so that we might be raised up. That Christ was born like us, that we might become like him. In your word, we behold your great love for your people. That when we cannot come near or rise to meet you, you draw near to us on wings of grace and raise us to yourself. In your word, we see some of your power, that you are not frustrated or hindered by the infinite gap that exists between God and humanity. In your power, you unified the two, God and man, in Jesus Christ. In your word, we learn your wisdom, every one of us, that we were doomed, lost, Not one of us had the will of our own to return to you. Not one of us could have thought up how we might be rightly saved. But Christ came to save to the uttermost. He came as a man to shed his blood on behalf of his bride, the church, and to work out for her a perfect righteousness. God, we ask that you would give to us tonight the same blessing that you gave to those shepherds so long ago. Let us hear good news of great joy. And not only here would we also believe and rejoice and praise and adore so that our consciences would be bathed in an ocean of peace and we would have the assurance of reconciliation with you. Place us in the stall with the ox, the donkey, the camel, the goat, to look upon them, to to look with them on the face of our Redeemer. Let us with Simeon tightly hold the newborn child in our hearts, embrace him with undying faith, and celebrate the truth that he is mine and I am his. There is no greater gift that all heaven could give us than this blessed child. By the divine working of your Holy Spirit tonight, would you cause your gospel of grace to shine through all the clearer? We ask these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isaiah 52, 7 through 10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel, that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their Savior, and all their affliction he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Word of the Lord. Please turn with me in your hymnals to number 208 and stand as we sing the carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful.
be seated. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round, around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word. Our next carol is number 200 in your hymnal. It came upon the midnight clear. Would you stand and join me in singing?
the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. Those were words written by Elizabeth Elliot. Both she and her husband were missionaries in Ecuador. Her husband, Jim Elliot, would be killed 
after attempting to make contact with a tribe found deep in the jungles of Ecuador. That was in 1956. And Elizabeth and her daughter Valerie would return to those same people, live among them, and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Here again how Elizabeth Elliot defines joy. Joy is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. And joy is a word that is associated with this season. And for good reason. I've seen the word joy lighted in people's yards. I've seen it on Christmas cards. I've seen it on wrapping paper. It's in the carols we sing. And it's there not because all is right in the world. It's there not because tears and sadness are automatically forgotten once Christmas Eve and Christmas Day arrive. Joy is indicative of this season because God came. This season is one of joy, not because there is an absence of trouble. You know better. It's joyful because there is an intentional pondering in the heart that God is with us. We sang this in our opening hymn. He came down to earth from heaven. Who is God and Lord of all? In his shelter, and his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall. Joy is the presence of God. And that's what motivates the heavenly language we see in verse 14 of the second chapter of Luke's gospel. We've been working our way through the birth narrative of the Lord Jesus found in Luke 2, and tonight we come to what feels to me like the pinnacle of this passage. It's the song of the heavenly host. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the old King James Version that is so familiar. And that's what's heard by some shepherds who are in the fields outside of Bethlehem. They're watching over their sheep at night. And what does the scripture tell us? An angel of the Lord appeared to them. You know, angels always seem to pop up at major points in the history of redemption. Have you noticed that? In Job... 38, we're told that the angels shouted for joy and sang together when the world was created. They were there when God made his covenant with the patriarchs. Per Stephen's speech in Acts 7, the angels were present when the law was delivered to Moses at Sinai. They appeared prior to and 
after the birth of Jesus. They tend to Jesus after he is tempted by the devil and is victorious. They're present at the empty tomb. And they're there after the ascension of Christ to the right hand of the Father. We always see them present for major events in redemptive history. So what then does it say to not just have one angel visit these shepherds, but to have a multitude of the heavenly host? What does it say to have tens of thousands, to have the armies of heaven fill the sky? Something has happened which has not happened before. Hark! They say, there's a newborn king. You know, Pastor Kent Hughes in his commentary has an opinion on this multitude. And he says, I think every one of God's angels was there. Because this was the most amazing event that had happened in the entire universe. You know, whether or not every angel was present. Scripture tells us that there was a multitude of the armies of heaven and they're reacting to something. They've heard something that is beyond wonder. They've heard something that compels them to praise and glorify their Lord and Creator. They've heard one from among their own number share good news with these shepherds. They heard him say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know what Peter says about this good news? He says that this good news is something into which the angels long to look. Even though it doesn't concern them. Even though they are without sin. Even though Christ is not redeeming them. And yet they're watching, they're waiting, they're on the edge of their seats. And as soon as this birth is announced, their praises literally fill the sky. And what are they saying? Well, I read the King James just a moment ago, but now I'll quote... uh, the English translation I use, which is the ESV. It reads, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. What do those words mean? Well, God has done something. He has done something that is good news of great joy. We read it, the angel tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what God did. He sent His Son to be born of a woman, and He is the promised, he is the promised Savior, Christ the Lord. So the angels hear this, and what is their response? They praise God. They honor God. They ascribe all glory and all majesty to his name. And they say, not only let Bethlehem be filled with his praise, not only let these hills 
and fields ring out. And not only Israel and not only all the earth, but may the praise of his glory and grace resound even in the highest of heavens for what he has done. May God be glorified and praised even throughout the realms of endless day because he has done something new, something beyond wonder. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. The angels bring a message of peace. But what kind of peace are they talking about? That's the Miss America answer. World peace? Peace between nations? No more wars? I don't think so. Not yet. What about inner peace? Peace of mind? A life that is calm and at ease and untroubled by worry? Not that either. The peace of which the angels are speaking is another peace. It is the peace that exists between man and God. Hark! The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's the peace the angels are proclaiming. That's the peace that has come to earth. A perfect peace between a holy God and sinful men, women, boys and girls. You know, the truth is that you must know this about yourself. You must know that you have a need to be reconciled to him. It's important that we realize we are in that category, God and sinners reconciled. Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus saying, by nature you were children of Wrath like the rest of mankind. It's true of you. It's true of me. It's true of our beautiful children that we love so much. It's true of our sweet elderly grandparents. Everyone is in need of this peace that God graciously bestows. But who receives this? And here's the difference in translations that jumps out at you. And I promise you, I can assure you, this is accurate to the original language. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. We are not universalists. Universalists believe that God, uh, that this peace is for everyone. This peace is... uh, such that there is no judgment and no hell and no condemnation for anyone. And yet the angel says, this peace is for those with whom God is pleased. So who then are those with whom God is pleased? I want to offer one thought with some help from the Heidelberg Catechism. God Almighty is pleased 
with those who can say with sincerity, from the heart, my only hope is this Savior. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all his commandments, never having kept any of them, and a heart that is still inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect salvation, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, and as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. This is what captivated the angels. That the Son of God would bear the covenant anathema that our sins deserve. He, the one who came to this earth, would hear the Lord curse you and hide his face from you and give you no peace. So that we might hear those beautiful words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is why glory is given to God in the highest of heavens. And this is why the Prince of Peace has come. This is what we observe at this table. As we gather tonight and take this bread and cup, we remember that our Savior was made anathema. He was cursed so that the peace and the pleasure of God might come to those who were unworthy. The terrors of law and of God with me can have nothing to do. My Savior's obedience and blood hide all my transgressions from view. That's what we're celebrating as we come to the table. And this is a celebration. Uh, don't, don't act like you're at a visitation or a funeral. This is a feast. All our transgressions have been hidden from view. Brothers and sisters, this table is for any and all who believe in Christ and are resting upon Him alone for salvation. It is not exclusive to the members of this church or to those who belong to the Presbyterian Church in America. But it is exclusive to Christians. And if you are not a Christian, this bread and cup is not something you should receive. Only those who have received Christ should receive communion. If you are not taking the supper, we would encourage you to use this time to consider the offer of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus holds out to all 
who are willing and willing to receive him. Jesus Christ gave this sacred tradition to us, his church. Do not think you can only come forward if you are perfect. I can assure you if that was the case, none of us would be qualified. We do not come perfect. Jesus alone is our perfection. And so you are invited to come broken but hopeful, believing and repenting. In just a moment, our elders will come forward to serve you. And we ask that you come forward as you're able. Take the bread and the cup back to your seat. Spend what time you have in prayer until we uh, take the bread and the cup together. Let's pray. O God, Father of all mercies, God of all comfort, grant your gracious presence and the effectual working of your Spirit in us. And so sanctify these elements, both of bread and wine, and bless this ordinance that we may receive by faith the body and blood of Jesus Christ crucified for us. And so feed upon them him that he may be one with us and we one with him, that he may live in us and we in him. We ask these things of you in the name of him who loved us and gave himself for us, Christ Jesus. Amen. took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast.
Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, take and eat. Beloved saints, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, drink from it, all of you. Let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, we bless you for giving us this supper. May we see in it your loving purposes. May this bread and cup bring joy and strength to our souls. You have prepared a feast for us, even though we are unworthy to sit down as guests. We completely rest on the merits of your Son and hide ourselves beneath his righteousness. When we hear his tender invitation, we cannot hesitate. By your Spirit, would you enliven our faith. While we taste this bread and juice, would we ponder his work? Would we hear him say, I gave my life to purchase you? I presented myself as an offering to remove your sins. I shed my blood to blot out your guilt. I opened my side to make you clean. I endured your curses to set you free. We ask these things in the name of our spotless Lamb. Amen. need to give a couple instructions before we have our final hymn. We'll uh, stand in just a moment, and this is when we light the candle that you grabbed when you came in. I'm going to need a couple of helpers. I want to put a couple people on the spot. Abigail and Sam, would you bring your candles and come light your candles from, uh, from this white one up front. And then walk down the center aisle and light the candles of, of uh, those closest to you. And then they'll, they'll pass it down. So would y'all, would y'all come? And when the, would the rest of you uh, stand as we sing our closing hymn, Silent Night, which is number 210 in your hymnal.
candles that you're holding be a charge to you. You are those who have been redeemed. You are those who have peace with God. You are those with whom God is pleased. And so take that light out to a world of darkness. Take the light of Christ out. Don't Hide it under, under a bushel. The world needs it. Your neighbors need it. Your co-workers need it. Would you now receive the benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen.